0: Hey, everyone. This is PK. You're listening to the PK and DK's Lab Podcast. Today, we have three special guests. We have CEO of Knighted and collaboration, Roy Choi, and CEO of Sunbay, Bennett Kim, and board member and tech guru, Bernard Moon. Three business mentors I respect very much. And Daniel and I, we asked some questions and we had a great conversation. Thanks for listening. to give an intro, first of all, uh, to this room. First, we labeled it uh, Wealth Building Wednesdays. We started it last Wednesday, and um, I've been experimenting all different types of rooms like through the week, every night at 8 o'clock, having a lot of fun with Clubhouse. Um, And then we had a really good talk last Wednesday uh, with some CEOs, and uh, I asked Daniel to be my co-host every Wednesday, and we decided to change it to more than just you know, wealth and money, but also life experiences that we can learn from business mentors that we personally know and through our network. So we call it the weekly lab life and business. So we're going to be asking our speakers just to give their personal background and then a life tip and then a business tip and then some discussion. And then we're going to invite people to ask questions as well. Also, if you have, I was in a, um, another clubhouse room, it was kind of like a mini shark tank. Uh, if you have any business ideas and you want to bounce it off of them to get advice, is a good time to do it. And uh, it was a really good room. I, I saw it was a legit Shark Tank. They had like a lot of multimillionaires, and people were asking, you know, for like money for like ten percent of their company. And out of the ten presentations, one guy actually um, had one of the investors invest. He committed to this. So it's pretty amazing this app and the networking that's involved, all the different types of uh, rooms there are from you know k-pop to single mingle and dating to there was a whale a whale sound room where people just went in and made whale sounds i'm not kidding There's a, that's too it weird was, dude it was amazing it was 600 people and um like someone would they say oh share like a a real sad story and someone would share like oh you know um you know i i uh, had a really you know rough beer and this such and such happened and everybody would make whale sounds. It was like, it was intense. And there's all different types of rooms. There's even a running room where people who are running. They, they have the mic open while they run and you could just hear them like, they're just running. I guess they don't want to feel alone. Um, but this one's going to be really good just to uh, learn from business mentors that we know. And first I just want to introduce my co-host, Daniel, who I worked for, have, have worked with. And um, we always just had a good relationship. He's always been um, just a good a good guy. And he is the CEO of Merch Labs. So welcome, Daniel.
1: What's happening, everyone? So, um, yeah, I started a company called Merch Labs. We do merchandising for social influencers. I see a bunch of friends in the audience. What's up, Will? What's up, TC? Jacob? Tom? Um, I've been in the influencer space for a while. And, you know, I just excited about, you know, culture and technology and and how they kind of combine and and, uh, clash together. And I think P.K. is um, one of the pioneers behind a, a lot of the Asian entertainment. So I've always been a big supporter of P.K. and I just love that, you know, he's been active on Clubhouse and I think that he brings up a lot of good dialogue and conversations and I'm just here to support and if i can add and you know create more uh, meaningful conversations and, and fun fun talks um uh you know that's why i'm here and you know i really appreciate pk kind of trusting me to kind of do this with him and hopefully we have a lot of fun here so um that's that's me
0: thank you brother all right so uh, we're going to have our speaker speak in the beginning and then we're going to invite people to come up on stage if you want to have ask any questions and, uh, yeah, I see the room starting to fill up more. First of all, I want to introduce a good friend. And in Korean, it's called Hyung. You know, they're all my Hyungs, like, older brother. Um, and he is the CEO of Ignited and Collaboration, uh, an Asian-American nonprofit that I've been part of. And uh, he's just a really good guy. Someone who's just been a really good friend throughout the years. And um, he's a father, and he is a businessman, and he is... As an empire, <laughs> he's doing many different things. So first, I'd like to welcome Roy Choi.
1: What's up, Roy?
0: Hey, thank you.
2: And of, of course, if you know PK, PK was a founder of Collaboration, um, who allowed me to join and partner with him. Uh, and that was a that was a really it's still going on. We just had our 20th anniversary. Um, but just proud of what PK has done, not just for Collaboration, but the community, uh, the Korean American community, Asian American community, and and Daniel, of course, man, thank you for the support over the years. Uh, again, not just for us, but, you know, I know what you do for aspiring artists everywhere. So props to you, too. And thanks for doing this. Uh, this is only my second Clubhouse session. So, And, and Peter, who's in the audience right now, he was, as, as soon as I signed up, he's like, he invited me into a room and we we're in there for like two, three hours. Um, but yeah, cool to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Welcome, Roy. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Roy. Next, I'd like to introduce uh, a young that I'm always hanging out at a spot in um, LA well, pre-pandemic. is a spot called Cafe Blue. It is the Cheers Bar of Korea Town where you just go and everyone knows your name. We just hang out there. And I don't know, I can't count the time, number of times where I would just go like after a wedding and then we'd just be there. No, not, never plan it. <laughs> just be there and have the best time, best conversations with all different people in the community. Uh, he is the CEO of Sun Bay. And he's going to talk uh, more about that. Welcome. Oh, he's also, he's the only person I know that went to uh, UCLA, Harvard, and also a B-boy, like a legit B-boy, if you check oh, out yeah. his Instagram. He, he, uh, I, and he started from, like, the bottom. He's really good now. So I always, if I MC a wedding, I always make him come out. He gets mad. But like, you got to come out. And he does some B-boy action. But welcome, Bennett. Bennett Kim.
3: What up, Thank Bennett. you. Thank you. Good to be here. And yeah, I'm uh, Open to talk about anything from hip hop to SPACs, to real estate, private equity, to anything else you want. And B-Boy. Yeah. (laughs) B-Rock. Thank you, you Bennett.
0: Sorry?
2: Can you show us some moves?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, next, We have a young who is brilliant. I see his newsletters. I I have no idea what's going on. I would just subscribe and just try to learn one tech fact, but I still, sometimes I couldn't decipher it. Uh, It's the CEO of Labs. He's always doing things uh, all over the world. And uh, I would hear his name pop up. Like we had um, a K-pop thing pop up where Bernie was a speaker and then Bernard's name just kept coming up. Um, He's doing, next level things in tech that are just beyond me and he's a mover and a shaker he's also very uh huge sports fan and he has very strong sports takes Uh, i'm intimidated by him when it comes to sports takes (laughs) and we have really good talks on facebook please welcome bernard moon So bernard
4: hey daniel hey pk hey you know this is my first uh official clubhouse talk
0: Yes, thank you. Awesome. Honored.
4: So, Bernard, um, Bernard, have you been
1: poking around Clubhouse also a little bit and just kind of seeing seeing how it works,
4: or is this like your first time, like actually in a room? No, the past few weeks I've been in room just listening in. Um, yeah, sometimes I get invited, but I just ignore because I just want to just you know check it out at first. But uh, yeah, you're your room is the first one I'm actually like officially talking in so
0: awesome thank you all right Ooh. so first we're, we're just gonna go you know one by one and uh if you want start first just quick background but also one life tip like a, beyond business but just a life tip over the years that you right
2: oh sorry me okay I thought it was open uh, you know, I, I hate saying this because uh, I was a film major. I grew up loving film and TV and media. I think it's so important. Uh, you know, collaboration was enter- empowerment through entertainment. But um, I think, you know, the one thing that if, you, if you've if you got a lot of goals and you have um, things that you want to get done in life or you, at least you know what direction you're going in uh, and you don't feel like you have enough time in the day, you gotta cut out TV. If you can cut out TV, you ha- you'll literally gain days of productivity. So if I had to pick one thing, that would be it, which is painful to say because, you know, I love the arts and entertainment.
0: Thank you. I remember when uh, Roy, when I, we used to play a lot of like fantasy football, basketball, and he, he cut it out first and it was really hard for me to cut it, <laughs> it was like, I had like multiple leagues going on and uh but I followed his lead and once I did it definitely was really good for me and uh it's so true like TV can be such a, a time killer
1: was that was that around the time PK I met you because I remember I was like oh we started working together because I know I try to get you in a couple fantasy leagues and you had this look like oh I can't do it I can't do it right Dude, now I,
0: just, I, just, I get obsessed man and then you Sunday afternoon I'm like wait why did I just spend an hour Proposing trades, like what does this do for my life? <laughs> like, ultimately, what am I doing right now? Uh, thank you, Roy. How about Bennett?
3: Wait. So, what's the deal? We're just going to go straight to a tip, or did you want? A- yeah. Okay. uh Well, yeah. Quick background too, but and then a, a life tip. Well, do you want you want Roy to finish up his like background then, or sure, sure. Yeah, Roy. Oh,
2: I thought okay. Uh, my background. Let's see. Um, uh, it, you know entertainment and gaming is how I encompass it uh, we work with casinos uh, we uh, video games uh, mobile games and um, uh, what I was in film distribution before so I used to distribute films to Korea uh, did that for a little bit uh, knighted um, we we have um, uh, also gone into minor league sports too so uh, if you want, we just had an event called Lion Fight. It's a Muay Thai promotions league. Uh, so if you love Muay Thai or combat sports, check out lionfight.com. Uh, we just signed something with with UFC Fight Pass. Um, and uh, the other sports venture we got into um, is, a, is a team called the Oakland Panthers uh, that um, uh, we launched with Marshawn Lynch. We're dormant this season just because of the pandemic and we'll be. Uh, relaunching in 2022, so if you're in the Bay Area, uh, look out for us.
3: Thank you, Roy. Um, next, Bennett. All right. Um, so I, I got I got uh, interested in real estate um, at the age of 17. So that's the only thing that I did for most of my adult career. So the thing is, like, that I I I graduate I always graduated into a real estate recession. So graduated from UCLA and um, it, was a, it was a dark time for real estate. Um, and so I just uh, joined uh, Disney and their real estate group, uh, went to Harvard to get my MBA, that would, and then when I graduated, it was also really bad for real estate. Um, and then joined a couple of private equity shops, uh, Oaktree and then Apollo, and then um, spun off and started our own real estate private equity shop um, called Big Rock Partners. And then 2008 was like a killer year when everything went to shit. Um, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves. And so we decided to focus only on senior housing at that point. Um, I, I took a two-year stint um, with another group to do manufactured housing in RV parks and then um, have been focusing on uh, seniors, like senior housing ever since. And then uh, we also started a SPAC three years ago, um, and I'm the CFO and the CIO of that, and and this other uh, daycare concept that P, uh, PK was talking about, which is called Sunday, it's uh, a daycare for seniors. Oh, and my life tip, yes. Um, my, my life tip will be that um, try to follow evidence-based research right because you're going to get a lot of bad advice even here on clubhouse like i hear all the time you got to follow your dreams got to follow your passion but um that's not necessarily always a good thing and i mean it's it's always better to be purpose driven but um sometimes you're dealing with people who are selected to be on a panel or people who are speakers because they were celebrities or athletes or, you know, they became famous somehow and they just backwards rationalize their career by saying, Hey, I followed my dreams. So you can too. Um, I, I think the better route would be to go through evidence-based research, like grit, you know, uh, Angela Duckworth has a book called grit and I think there's just better life lessons in stuff like that. Thank you. All right, next,
4: Bernard. Love that book, by the way. Great. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, yeah, it's back. Well, first, I'm not CEO of Spark Labs. I'm, I'm just one of the uh, partners, right? And oh, Spark Labs, that. we're, no, it's just minor. Don't worry about it. Um, Spark Labs, we're early stage investors. Um, Bernard, we, and,
2: and sorry, can we just get the CEO instead then? Sorry.
4: <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, so I'll try to ping him and see if he's available. so... Um, yeah, so we are early stage investors. We have on one half, we have these startup accelerators. If you're familiar with, uh, Techstars or Y Combinator. Um, we are the leading accelerator in Asia. Uh, we currently have nine locations globally. And on the other half, we have, uh, three venture capital funds. So far in our short, I guess, eight years, we've invested in over 300 startups across six continents. Um, and we just continue to grow and uh it's it's been fun so far it's been a, a a fast eight years so um in terms of advice or what did you say general life advice
0: general life okay. tip yeah advice
4: <coughs> life tip um yeah uh actually i have, I have one thing that my uh my dad sort of drilled into me since I was in high school. And I think it's stayed sort of true since. He said, you know, he told me when I was younger, he's like, hey, always remember, influence is like a savings account. Once you lose it, it's gone. So you know, be careful with your influence as you grow up. So I, I think that has guided me well. Got it, thank you. you. You said influence is like a savings account? Yeah, influence is like a savings account
1: interesting it's a good one
4: wise words all
0: right how about uh, a business tip
4: i could business tip actually this is also from my dad during my first startup it was uh it was hilarious because like we were struggling to raise our initial capital right we were like fundraising for six months plus we were like getting rejected. It must've been at that point, probably like over a hundred rejections from investors. Uh, This is like, you know, 20 years ago during my first startup. And then he uh, calls me into his room and my dad's like, Bernard, business is sometimes like poker. You have to know when to fold. And so I remember I begged with him. I just said, give me a few more months. And, you know, we closed our first sort of seed round of like 400,000 to launch the company. But that was also actually very good advice in terms of framing things like, because you know, you see some entrepreneurs either drag on their startup or new restaurant or whatever new venture. And it is some people, they don't know when to fold, right? And that, that's also good advice that was given to me when I was younger, so.
0: Know when to fold, thank you. How about Royer Bennett?
2: I heard origami is like poker. You gotta know when to fold.
0: i'll
2: leave the jokes to you pk sorry (laughs) how
0: how about a a business tip
2: uh you know a business tip i you know i think i had it reversed uh the tip i gave before was more of a business tip um where uh just in terms of productivity you can cut tv out of your life um you know you just gain so much time and focus to work to work on whatever your business goals are um was it a life tip and business tip were those the two things
0: yeah, general, that's a, I guess yours covers both, but if you have one that's more focused just on
2: if it's business just or life, money. If it's just on life um, and not concerning business, then um, you know, watch as much TV and movies as you can and, and enjoy the arts, because it'll make sure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> OK. Nice, try. <Ferrari. laughs> All right. So either one. Thank you. i about Bennett. All right um let me think I'll, I'll say um, try to specialize try to specialize as early as you can in your career and you'll get you'll get chances to pivot if you need to but i mean there's there, you know there's a real there's a reason why like a cardiologist will make more than a general practitioner as a doctor or somebody who specializes in a specific type of law will um, you know will will be more well uh, renowned, it, it's, it's the world values specialization, so try to get that into your brand, your personal brand, early on. Um, even if you could do it as early as, as college. So, Ben, I love that. So,
1: you know, PK, if you don't mind me piggybacking on that, but you know, as, as an entrepreneur myself and, and doing startups, um, I've also become a fan of working with people that are specialists cuz you know a lot of people they'll chase different things that really aren't in their wheelhouse but it's something that they think they should do like you know like oh everyone's starting to code like I should figure out a code and oh I should learn how to invest in stocks but I've learned like you know um my mom used to say you know don't dig a bunch of wells dig one well and you will you will get oil you know you you don't obviously you got to you got to like tried a lot of different things, but as Bernard said too, know when to fold, but like know also when to double or triple down. Um, I was actually just talking to uh, one of my buddies, uh, you know, he's in the audience, Will, and he was like, hey, I think you should double or triple down on that idea. And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I've learned as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be crazy sometimes, right? Because, you know, everyone else is going this, these traditional paths, um, paths, you know, trying to climb up a certain ladder or whatever. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious on your guys' side. Like, you know, you know, what are some some stories or occurrences where you're like, "Hey, look, I'm going kind of against the traditional uh, way of doing things or the way of thinking. I believe in this, and you know, I I, I feel like you know, I've heard entrepreneurs there's like a hero's journey. You know, you kind of have to kind of go on your own track and your own path, and it'll unlock riches if you're successful. You know, but but failure is often you know, um, something that is, is part of the journey, you know what I mean? So I'm just kind of curious with you guys, like, you know, is there a time where you guys had to become specialists in a particular field that you guys believed in that maybe other people might've thought you were crazy at the time, but because you, you guys pursued and, uh, persevered through that, you know, you guys were able to find success in that, you know, that that's it.
3: Well, I'll, I'll start with that just because it was advice that I gave. Um, I, and I, I wouldn't say that I felt like I was being crazy or anything, um, but I, I I do recall, you know, very early on, I was like, I always talked about real estate, right? It's, the irony is, I actually don't really like it that much right now. <laughs> right, right. But um, the the so I always talked about real estate um, in, in college. I mean, college there was no business major, and so whenever people knew me they knew me as a oh that's that one guy who's really into real estate and and right now it's it's about seniors you know i 'm trying to do everything um for seniors, whether it's senior housing or senior care and now, if people have issues you know trying to figure out what to do with their mother or grandmother i I get a lot of calls right just because people need advice in terms of how how to take care of the elderly. But the thing is the the bigger point is that people people will start associating you with a certain brand, and the more out there you are, if you it is a little bit kind of uh unique, it's right. actually a really good thing, right? Because people will always associate you with that particular brand. So if you can actually get that early on in your career, i mean, i mean I, I, I know there there are different schools of thought there, there are, there's a school where that that says that, hey, you should start off as a generalist like you should get into maybe like management consulting try out a bunch of things and then figure out what you really like and then pursue that um that is a strategy you know i'm not you know here to say that that is is wrong um but i i personally favor specialization earlier
4: Go i uh, i think for me it was a little different i think um Just around what Daniel said, I wasn't, I never really specialized in anything in in our startups, but I knew I was passionate about uh, just the early stage of company building, you know, taking a concept on a napkin napkin and and launching a product from that. So um, yeah, I mean, each of the four startups that I co-founded and were involved in, I mean, they're all in different sectors. And it's not like I was passionate about that one thing, whether it was like, video on demand or voice portal. Um, it was more so that I liked the whole stage and chaos of company building. Um, but, you know, we were obviously, when we were in it, we were very passionate and uh, committed. So even our first startup to sort of, uh, you know, piggyback off what Daniel said, you know, we believed in our vision. We believed in, uh, you know, our, the, the product that we were building to the point where, you know, we were begging our parents for money. I remember me and my co-founder Jimmy, we were sitting up one night signing up for literally like 20 credit cards so we could max out more credit cards Jeez. and create, create more debt. Right? <laughs> so I mean, that's a that's level of commitment that we had until we raised our you know, first uh, angel capital. So Some people call that gambling. <laughs> <laughs> 20 yeah. credit
0: cards, good Lord, wow. Um, yeah, I think uh, one thing I admire about um, all of you is that you're all down to earth. I, you know, I have met a lot of successful people that are not, and um, especially in the entertainment industry, I'm around some, um, but you've always been really cool to me, you know, just like a personal mentor, not just, you know, business, but um, I'm always just learning more by example. Uh, who are some of your examples and your people who have influenced you?
4: Anyone, Roy, you could go. You did.
2: Oh, um, no, go ahead, Bernard. You you unmuted first.
4: <laughs> uh, pers- personal examples. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not easily inspired or impressed. So this is. I'm not. I'm not the best person to ask. Other than Michael
0: Jordan. Other, yes,
4: Jordan. other than Jordan. Other than Jordan. I mean, I, my my parents were role models. One, I mean, that's sort of like a cheesy answer, but you know, they were entrepreneurs, right? And there were also people that I just uh, respected and learned from. Um, other, I mean, younger role models. I don't know. Like, I admired Jimmy Carter when I was younger, <laughs> former president, uh, and the life that he lived. Oh, Bernard,
2: Jimmy Carter, huh?
4: Jimmy Carter. Uh, <laughs> Like the business people, <laughs>
0: um, you know uh, Bernard. Bernard's a hardcore Jordan apologist. So at one point, we're going to do a clubhouse uh, Jordan fans versus LeBron fans, and I'm going to have to have Bernard up here battling out the uh, LeBron <laughs> fans going off. Yeah, sure. Hey, so I, I have a quick question for you guys. So look,
1: there's obviously a lot of action right now going on. There's like you're been you're talking about specs. There's crypto. Um, you know, obviously investing you know everyone's in, i don't know i, I see in profiles i like vc angels like you know what i mean like i, I never heard that kind of stuff you know eight fifth you know eight twelve years ago right so i'm just kind of curious from your vantage point um between three of you guys like what what what's exciting you guys these days like what do you find interesting what are some areas that you feel like maybe the listeners should be paying attention to obviously you know, crypto has been super hot right now. I think Bitcoin they it keeps going all time highs. Um, I've been hearing a lot about SPACs. Um, obviously, the Reddit stuff has been going crazy. Is there anything that you guys are paying attention attention to in specific that's kind of getting you guys interested or uh, that is getting you excited? Uh, you
2: know, I guess since you mentioned crypto. Um, uh, i've i've always i've always just kind of kept limping into it uh i haven't sold anything since i my first bitcoin so uh i'm a firm believer in it uh, you know dan you you joked about gambling earlier yeah uh, when we talked so uh i think the the question was you know a, a time when you were committed to whatever you're you were doing and um you know working against the odds and stuff um i, I think bernard's advice that he he had heard from his dad about knowing when to fold and there's such a fine line between that and just digging in and going for what you believe believing against all the odds and ignoring all the naysayers right uh and and how do you determine uh, the two and of course obviously you know I, I was very fortunate in some of the things that i had done early on but i'll t- i'll talk to you about something that i'm working on right now all right i think Maybe maybe can shed some light because, um, or at least you know, provide some insight on what where I find opportunity, and it's it's in things that are that are um, maybe perceived as gray area, um, and and hasn't been fully accepted by the the general population. Just like crypto was, right? Uh, you know, I know people who bought crypto at pennies, but uh, bought Bitcoin at pennies. You know, mine was mine was at three hundred dollars, but I thought I was kind of late to where everyone was, you know, had come in much earlier. Uh, But now. Good Lord, three hundred. Yeah. And and I think it's still going up. Right. I think to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And um, I do. I like, you know, and and cannabis was at that stage too. cannabis. um, You know, I, I haven't gone into the cannabis industry, but I definitely had my eye on it. Uh, and, and, and the people that had, you know, taken a chance at that time, you know, capitalized, right? They, they benefited from it. Right now we're working on a, um, and nothing leaves this room. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, we're working on a Texas poker room project. Uh, we, we opened the tech, a poker room in Texas. Gambling is technically considered illegal in Texas, but we think it's trending towards a direction where it will be legalized. And um, the way we're operating is, uh, it's, it's not something that big institutions will do. It's not something that, um, uh, you know, if, if you're risk averse you're gonna do, but I'm a risk taker and I think the rewards will be big down the road. Uh, so I think you wanna, you, trying to identify what is gray, but trending towards being legal is is something to research
3: yeah and i'll, I'll answer that also without ac- actually talking about specific investment themes but more so in terms of the process of how i think about things um it, 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 there, was, there was actually there was actually i've got what i think it was a podcast and there was an the, uh, there was an interview of like all the top CEOs, whether they were tech guys or whatever, and they're asking each person like, how do you, like, where do you find your best ideas? Like where and when? And it could be like, you know, in it's while I'm taking a shower or something. Right, right, right. right. For me, for me, for me personally, it's uh, for, for some reason it's taking long road trips. And when I go hiking, like one of my favorite things to do is skiing, but I, for, for some reason I can never think of ideas when I'm skiing. But I can always think of ideas when I'm hiking. It's weird. It's, it, there's, there's a, a correlation in terms of your thinking process to certain activities
5: right. or
3: activities that let you just kind of zone out and start thinking big picture. I, I start thinking about you know investment themes um, for me when I'm doing um, like going on long road trips, and so I actually intentionally try to do you know, long road trips or just drive for a few hours uh, just so that I can be inspired to think, you know, think just without the day-to-day clutter, right? Because especially during the pandemic, you're gonna go through the motions of habitual stuff. You know, you you wake up, you shower, maybe you don't even shower, you eat, eat, and then you just go through these rituals. But you need to take a break from your ritual, even if it's your day-to-day job, to allow yourself to think bigger and think about things that are driving the purpose of your life.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, no, Thank dude, I, I've, I've heard that a lot too, is just, you know, where you get your ideas and where you, you know, having places and things that you do to problem solve and that kind of, you know, I, I think being an entrepreneurial, like, um, you know, that way of, you know, the, being, being an entrepreneur in general, you're you're coming across fires all the time, and I think when you're staring at the fire all day, you can't you can't think. You know, you're 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 thinned out, and you know you're just burnt out, and it sucks. But I think that's a great point, Bennett. And I've heard that a lot too. Like people have kind of their go to uh, areas or things that they do to kind of have um, you know a space where they you know like headspace where they can think, problem solve. And I've heard like mastermind groups, PK, I know you do a mastermind group as well. And you're, you're a big advocate about that too. But um, yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I find the same thing. Like when, when I go hiking or traveling or, you know, just where I could zone out. And then all of a sudden these ideas pop up and you're like, oh damn, you know.
0: During the pandemic, it's the bathroom, whether it's a shower or you're sitting on the porcelain throne, especially parents, you spend a lot of time in there escaping, thinking, meditating. Hiding from come, the kids. Exactly. The kids? <laughs> Just clearing your mind.
1: It's hard to come up with solutions when the kid is jumping all over you going, can we play? Can we play? <laughs> but yeah. B- Bernard, Roy, any, any thoughts on that too? Like, do you guys have any things that you do to kind of help with ideas and
4: uh, like kind of problem solving? Go ahead, Bernard. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in terms as an investor, you know, you just try to meet as many interesting people, uh, whether it's engineers or just general business people, right? And then you also, you know, just read a lot in terms of trying to identify trends. So I'm one that's more, you know, I don't really latch onto any themes, right? Because um, I think there's a sort of danger in that. Like example is, like four years ago, like AI was really hot and like. of the startups we saw for a certain period, they had AI in it, right? But majority of them weren't, you know, weren't true AI. right? And that was a fad for a while. And even, um, you know, VR, AR stuff, like several years ago, there's a lot of dead bodies now in Silicon Valley with a lot of the VR, AR startups. But both of those spaces now, I I would say that they're making a, a real comeback with viable players, you know, over the past year year and a half um but that's that's my approach uh, one of my partners he does have like a yearly theme like you know like last year it might be like he'll, he focused on like food tech it's like oh food tech and clean tech is hot so i'll look at these you know right. the, these you know startups and you know network with deep with these entrepreneurs so i, I think every investor has like a a different approach so
0: Great, thank you for sharing all that. At this time, uh, we just want to open up the floor if anybody has any questions. It's also a good time if you're working on your own business, you can come up and ask for advice, um, things that you're working on. And this is a good time to get advice from three uh, successful uh, business mentors that I know, that me and Daniel know. Anyone, if you could raise your hand.
1: PK, before we get into that, can I ask like a couple, just a couple more things if that's cool? Sure, sure. Yes. so, one, I mean, you guys, all three of you guys, I think, are investors or have invested. I'm kind of curious, like, you know, with uh, someone trying to do a startup, you know, and again, like maybe after like, we can have people come up and they can ask questions. But, you know, I'm kind of curious, like, what, what do you look for in someone that's pitching or that's trying to do a new business? Like, do you look at the founder? Do you look at the idea? Do you look at the timing of it? I mean, do you look at, I mean, and then also like, is there a, a way that you sniff out the BS too? Cause I'm sure all three of you guys get pitched ideas, thoughts. I mean, I get pitched ideas and thoughts all the time and I got to figure out how to filter things out. Like you said, I mean, mine's not, you know, I have this radar of definitely knowing when or trying to figure out when to fold. But at the same time, I, you know, a big thing for me that's been something I, I try to practice religiously is expand, but then filter right away like filter 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 figure out what's working for me figure out what's not dump the stuff that's not keep going hard on the things that is that are working i'm wondering like yeah like what do you look for and second like you know is there anything you use to kind of sniff out like the bs and things that you're like yo this is just not something that's in my wheelhouse like best practices like your your playbook you know what i mean is there any, any thoughts on that
2: You know, one thing that I think, and maybe this is elementary to some, but when someone's pitching, uh, whether it's, you know, just one person or it's a team, I want to feel like that team is only focused on this one project, on this one pitch. Like, nothing else in the world matters to them. They're not involved in a bunch of other businesses. They're not involved. They they don't have other things that are going to distract them. Uh, Like, I want to know that if, if I would invest in this, that, they have, that they're going to put their full attention into it. And this is the only thing that matters to them.
1: So focus. Bernard Bennett, any, any thoughts on that when you're looking at invest or, you know, startups or people pitching an idea like, you know, things that are attractive and maybe things that you do to kind of help your decision
4: making? Yeah, I can talk. Um, yeah, I think you're fading in and out, Daniel. That's a like... wait, shoot, or is it my phone? I could hear Daniel. It might be yours. Oh shoot! Hold on. <laughs> Bernard, you're <laughs> fine.
3: Bernard, I think you're fine.
4: Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I got. You. Okay. Um, well, generally, like most uh, people in the venture capital industry, they'll they'll say that they look at three things. Um, depending on the stage, you might focus on one or the other. So it's usually team market product, right? And most startups, majority of them easily answer the first one in terms of market. Is, this, uh, is it a big enough market that you're going for, especially for a VC investor that's looking for, you know, 50, hundred X returns. Um, we are mainly seed and series A investors. So then you really drill down to the team and then also the product, right? The most difficult is probably um, the team, right? Because a lot of success is these soft issues that are hard to decipher, right? I would say, you know, just eyeballing a third of startup failure is chemistry around the founders, right? So you have to sort of try to assess the personalities the leadership qualities, and it really does make a difference because early in, our, um, early in our, our life cycle, like sometimes we got enamored by, you know, the shiny technology, right? And this one company had like awesome tech, but the CEO was so indecisive, it just drove the business to the ground. So that's when we really learned, like it doesn't really matter about the tech, right? It, it oh, really is the, is the leadership okay. and the team. The CEO was like my wife
1: not say that. Uh-oh. Nice. Hey, PK. This could she be recorded. Be
0: careful. <laughs> careful. She's in, she's in the other room. Man. We should, We cannot even decide <laughs> on anything. Food. Anything.
4: Uh, But to give another example of also what, you know, Dan, you're asking in terms of like, you know, knowing when to fold, but also having that drive. And that, that's also one thing, especially in the founding CEO that we look for, you know, a lot of, you'll see a lot of investors talking like, oh, that hustle factor. Right? Right. So. One example is um, one of our first investments when we launched, you know, spark Labs Korea, right? In the first batch, we had this founder Dino Ha who founded this company called Mimi box. Right. And it became now it's MBX. They've, you know, they raised $126 million series C, they got a $35 million series D from Johnson and Johnson, and they're on a good you know, growth path right now. When he applied, they already generated 1.4 million in revenue to our our first batch, right? This is December, 2012. And I remember interviewing him. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, Dino, we actually don't, at that time, they're doing these subscription beauty boxes, right? That was their primary business. And I just said, hey, Dino, we don't like subscription e-commerce. It's actually on a downward trend in the U.S. And he said, okay, well, if it doesn't work out and you don't like it, we'll pivot, right? But he's like you know, he gave reasons why he it's working and they had an incredible like churn rate. It's like their churn rate was less than 5%. Like normally within the space, it's like 15, 20%. Right. And so he, you know, he showed, he was committed to his vision. You know, he's, he was, you know, very dedicated, but he was flexible enough to, to say, and humble enough to say, Hey, if I'm wrong, I'll change it. Right. And he's pivoted his business and grown it into like other different categories. And that was like the character that we like. But it's you know, it is hard to identify. Right. You definitely can't see it on paper. You have to try to get to know the entrepreneur. You know, hopefully a lot of times before we invest. But some of these hot deals like, you know, you might have to make a decision within like one week or, or, or three weeks. Right. But you right. Do try to assess these soft sort of characteristics. Yeah, I, I
3: don't have too much more to add. I think Bernard did a pretty good job. Um, I, I was going to say, so he, you know, he does he does early stage, the stuff that I've done before, is a little bit later stage. But we actually think of it pretty in a in a very similar way. I mean, you know, it's to kind of bifurcate the strategy from the execution risk, right? And the strategy, of course, everything has to make sense. It has to be a good idea, um, even in, in later stage even if it's assets, even if it's real estate assets, right? The strategy has to make sense. And then in terms of the execution risk, it's exactly what Bernard was talking about. Like, has the team worked together before? And then if, if there, there's always going to be situations when things go to shit, right? Like they're you're always going to have to deal with bad stuff. Are right. these guys sc- scrappy enough to figure out how to, how to either pivot or renegotiate situations? Like, even if it's a, if it, even if it's a real estate asset, right? Like if you invested into a, a hotel right before nine 11, um, you know, Bl- Blackstone was very good at this. They, they invested in Hilton right before nine 11. Right. And their portfolio was terrible. The valuation went down, but what they did was they went to all of their r- lenders and said, Hey, Hey, uh, let's figure out how to get through this pain together. Right. if, if we go down, it's going to be bad for you too. Let's let's try to figure out a sl- like a win-win solution where you're going to get hurt a little bit and I'm going to get hurt a little bit as well, right? It's so it's like it, it's people who can take a bad situation and intellectually think through other solutions, and you see that you see that with scrappier people right. uh, and people who've been around a little bit longer and have seen a lot of different things.
1: So i I'm, a couple of takeaways. So one you know, just, just to kind like recapping things. So one re you know, you, you look for scrappy uh, scrappiness, which I, you know, I completely agree with. I think that's definitely from the, the founders and, and CEOs and uh, entrepreneurs I see, I think definitely people that are resourceful and being able to figure things out on the fly and kind of doing that. Um, I think Roy was saying focus and, and you know, not being so scattered all over the place. And um, you know, I think Bernard, you were talking about just overall character of the of the CEOs. Same similar things to what Bennett was saying, but um, you know, I think these are powerful things for maybe the audience to kind of hear, and even for for myself too. You know what I mean? As an entrepreneur, I think one of the problems is, you know, everything is an opportunity. You know, there's always the next hot thing, and I think one of the hardest things to do is to focus, especially in this age of just mass distraction and so i mean look the the interesting thing about clubhouse is you know um as much as it's a new social media platform i do think that there's a lot of value here in this platform and hopefully this this podcast or this club you know clubhouse chat we can add more value to people as it pertains to life and business which pk came up with that name and i was like yo that's kind of a cool name and I, you know, the ability to kind of talk not only on the business side, but also kind of the life aspects. Because, you know, I think a lot of people are just money driven and they're just, you know, I think goals are great and, and you want to hustle and burn burn the midnight oil and just keep going. But, you know, I think also to keep your character integrity intact and understanding how to focus and knowing when, when to pivot, like you were saying, Bernard, like, you know, are, are they willing to pivot? Are they stubborn? And, um, I really appreciate like your answers and honestly, it's given me some, some things to think about too. You know what I mean? I'm always learning and I, I appreciate you guys sharing. Um, yeah, PK, any, any other thoughts?
0: Yeah. Before we go into uh first question from John, I brought him on stage. You know, I just want to say that it, for, yeah, clubhouse is amazing because it's really hard to bring uh, people together. I and mean, if this was a real seminar, you got to rent the venue, you got to set the date, you got to market it, you got to send, you know, everybody has to drive, everyone's spending gas time physically to come together and you know it's really hard to put that together and then if we do it did it on zoom people they don't want to dress up you know they dress up on the top they're wearing boxers on the bottom they're like you know it's like people don't want to show their face right now especially you know 8 p.m at night and so it's really uh, powerful that we come together like this and you know when you have uh older mentors you know in this case like older male mentors like uh, that, you know. I know for guys, a lot we all need, you know. Like my father passed away like ten years ago. You just you continually need older mentors, and it's not always like this. Like, hey, like they put your hand on your shoulder and you know, give you like gra- <laughs> young grasshopper. This is how I did it. It's just uh, knowing who they are and being with them, you know, and uh, just seeing like you know. I know they're successful with their family and financially, and but most of all is like, they're just cool people. Like I just like them, like we have fun talking to them and in other things, you know, but with this particularly, cause you know, if you usually don't hang out with guys and be like, hey man, so uh, what's your business tip? You know, you don't just bring that up in light, but uh, that's why it's good just to come together and specifically
3: talk about this, you know, right now. So. Hey, just to let, let you guys know in terms of a technical issue, the uh, clubhouse servers are kind of spotty again. I think they're, they've been going down. So Elon Musk. Ha- yeah, people are having a tough time getting in again.
0: And it's crazy. Last week when Elon Musk came on, it like, uh, went down for 10 minutes. And then people were freaking out, man. All the Clubhouse addicts. They're like, oh my God, what's going on? I was getting texts. I can't get in. Can you get in?
6: What are we going to ha- do?
1: PK, this happened exactly last time we did this oh, yeah, exact last same. Wednesday. Wonder,
0: <laughs> I'm wondering if the, you know, uh, Clubhouse, the founders themselves, they have a town hall. And then it has, you know, 6,000 is a max for one room right now. And they had spillover rooms, like two or three other rooms, like just because people wanted to ask questions. So I wonder if that's Wednesday and I'll check it out. But um, yeah, right now it's going to go questions to the audience. If you have uh, questions, uh, please come up, raise your hand. John. So my question is,
5: in today's age is like, we're, we're very kind of bipolar, right, where society seems like there's this dichotomy. How do you guys find the balance between your kind of like business life versus like your, your passions, like your creative life, like the things that are beyond business?
2: I'll go. Uh, that's a excellent question. I- interestingly, uh, I was attempting to prior to the pandemic, I was attempting to, uh, schedule, <coughs> to, to not schedule any work between, uh, five and eight thirty uh, because I was trying to spend more time with my kids. And that was like the, the one pocket of time that I could, um, uh, you know, play with them, eat dinner together. And, and just be around them. And, and then what would happen is I, I was reducing any kind of business dinners, but it would turn into business drinks after 8.30. So I'm not sure if that was helpful, but uh, I was trying to schedule things around the hours where I could still get the same amount of work done, but increase the time I could spend with them. Uh, and then the pandemic happened and um, you know almost every day I was working from home whenever I could. Uh, so I got to see them throughout the day. Uh, in terms of like creative pursuits like that has shrunk down to like zero because um, whatever time i can have free i really want to spend with my kids
7: oh,
0: yeah. Ben, ben and bernard
3: yeah, I'll say I, I think um, I'm by far the most immature person here on stage, <laughs> which is you know why I I don't have a family right now. No I'm way, kind of I sure. I, am, that, I am that just
1: means you work too
0: much, man.
1: I'm the
3: most <laughs> but, most immature but, by far. But but I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, I I think I think at some point, uh, like as I've been getting older. That I'm carrying less in terms of my social life and my professional life converging. Um, and I don't try to hide my social life. as So like, you know, before it was like, oh, I'd like to go out and drink and go to bars and whatever. And like, I never brought that up and never talked about stuff like that. Um, just because I didn't want to, you know, I was usually surrounded by older colleagues. And I was almost like embarrassed of my social life. Um, now it's like embarrassing in a different way where I'm like trying to learn how to break dance. And you know, people are like, Why are you getting into stupid stuff like that? And um at some point I think when you uh don't really care and um it, it actually makes you it makes you stand out among, you know, maybe a very kind of vanilla office setting sometimes, right? Like if it's very boring and you have something a little bit um different going on it's it's i think it's it's a good thing it could be a good thing to talk about some things that are maybe somewhat slightly embarrassing but just use your judgment i guess i think it's real cool that you do that you do break dancing and you're a b-boy
2: all your colleagues already knew about your infamous social life so
3: (laughs) no i mean i still try to hide hide some of it you know (laughs) i have to say i'm not completely comfortable with it
4: the, no, go, go ahead, Daniel.
1: Uh, no, no, I, I just wanted to say for everyone in the room too, like, you know, I've I've heard of all, you know, all three of you guys. I've met, you know, obviously I've met Roy a long time ago and I've chatted with Bennett and Bernard. I mean, it's a pleasure meeting you on this clubhouse, but I think that everything that they're saying, there's a lot of value to it. So if you're in the room, I would highly encourage you guys to follow them and hopefully Bennett, Bernard and Roy, you guys keep talking And speaking, because I mean, especially, you know, the Asian American community, one thing that I noticed, like even when I started, I didn't really have mentors like that look like me. You know what I mean? I I had to figure things out on my own. I, you know, would, you know, I I would read books, listen to podcasts and I would pick up tips and, and help. But the fact that you guys are even on the platform and, you know, allowing people, you know, giving your giving valuable information and tips. I think um, you know, very you know, it's generous of you guys. So I appreciate that. And I just wanted to tell the followers, you know, I would I would recommend if you guys, you know, click on Bennett, Bernard, and Roy's profile, give them a follow. Also PK, um, I think you can get a lot of value. And you know, there's a lot of like what Roy said. There's a lot of trash uh, that you can waste your time with in life, and things that you can kind of pass the time by during the you know quarantine and and during COVID, like, but, you know, there's us. There's a, a, a small group of people that are getting better right now, you know, and they're they're improving not only their, their minds, they're improving their physical health and mental health and um, spiritual health. And I think for me, I mean, I wish I had this resource available to me when I started my, my company and, and the projects I did, because I probably would have avoided a lot of mistakes that I made. And if, you know, I'm a big believer of learning from other people's not only successes but their failures because you know if you could kind of emulate people that you find are are interesting and and you want to go on that similar journey and maybe specialize in the areas that they have specialized in i you know i would latch on to that so again i just wanted to before bernard you know i definitely want to let you kind of speak on that but i wanted to uh just say you know maybe to give them a follow and and um, hopefully you guys also will keep speaking on, on the platform
3: by the way, I don't think you could follow any new people right now because the servers are down. I was trying to—I saw one of my classmates from school, uh, and I can't—I can't follow her. Yeah, everything's frozen right now. We are here together.
1: PK, you're breaking the servers every time, man. <laughs> I know,
0: man. I'm just shutting it down. Um, yeah, definitely so, learn learn from other people's mistakes. Like that's huge for sure, and saves time. And I think you know when I have a mastermind group, that's a big thing that we share. Is you know our failures so that hey i'm saving you time you don't have to do the same thing
1: so bernard sorry i I didn't mean to cut you off either um i mean i I knew you were about to say something too uh
4: no i mean i don't have that much to add because i mean you know i'm just trying to think what framing between sort of it's sort of like a like work-life balance um i mean just because i have like we have three young kids i mean i don't even have time to think about sort of Creative endeavors or things outside of the scope of work. So for me right now at this stage of my life, it's just, you know, work, family, kids, and making sure my wife's happy. So So I have a question here, right?
5: If you were if you were to take on an apprentice, like what are the kind of qualities of an apprentice that you would take on to mentor?
1: I mean, that was a great question. Uh, Bennett, Roy, Bernard, if I honestly, I, I, I think about this too, and I was actually an apprentice to a couple people. So yeah. Wh- I mean, I guess, yeah. Wh- what would you guys look for in an apprentice if you were to take somebody on under your wing? Uh,
2: you know, if I had to like narrow it down to one thing, it's resourcefulness. Um, you know, not just not accepting no and uh, figuring, figuring out a way to, to, Problem solve or to, to get it done, um, and and just utilizing whatever you know uh, resources you have around you to to figure it out.
4: Yeah, I think I would echo that. It's resourcefulness or hustle or whatever that determination to either succeed or get things done, right? Because there's a lot of people that uh, you know might have the nice resume or background or could speak nice but it really at the end of the day is about do you execute do you get things done right and some people they don't like to get their hands dirty I'll
3: say I think I think the one important thing is just a, just follow up right like I think a lot of people they feel they sometimes feel bad like you know I might like I, I want this person to give me advice or something um you know before the pandemic, you, you know, you'd always do like these informational lunches or whatever. A um, little bit less common now, but I think I think I, I've had people where they're like, "Hey, is it cool if like, um, you know, I ask you questions from time to time?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely," and then I would never hear back, right? And so I think I think I, I, I can't speak for Bernard Roy, but I believe this is the case for them where they're like, I feel like some of us would feel honored, <laughs> like you know, that people actually right. want to hear like hear our advice. I'm like, damn, I, I feel like I, I, I'm, I have value. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, I, I would want, I remember, I remember I used to, when I, um, uh, I didn't answer the mentoring question, but I had, I've always had mentors. I've had mentors since, um, since I was a kid. And like the reason why I wanted to get into real estate when I was 17 years old was my, uh, my camp director, I, I was a camp counselor and the director was in real estate. And so he, you know, he was my mentor or it kind of took me under his wing, but I I would bug him all the time. You know, I would try to reach out to him at least a few times a week just because he, he offered. And I, I think people, that's one thing that people sometimes feel like they're, they're being too invasive or they're like pestering, and they don't feel good about it, don't feel shy, you know? Keep on, watch, I say that now, (laughs) and I'll be like, damn it, this person keeps asking
1: questions. Yeah, your DMs are going to blow up, and they're going to be like, hey, Bernard, can you help me with some real estate? What am I supposed to do tomorrow? I don't know, is this market hot?
3: Fuck, I was just kidding. (laughs) Well,
1: I I would propose
2: that if you're single, uh, Bennett's got long, lonely car rides that he could use some company on, so.
0: Uh,
4: (laughs) There it is, there there it is.
1: hey now we're going to asian bachelor that's the next one man
4: yeah i I would agree with what Bennett said it's it's interesting because it's more even in our structured accelerator programs so we see you know we match our you know founders with very successful entrepreneurs it's like you know guitar hero brothers that built a billion dollar video game business or whomever and when we match them um especially, I mean, I'm just generalizing, but especially if, they're, if it's like an engineering CEO, like they don't want to like follow up or they're more reserved, right? They'll try once and then they won't try again. And we have to like push them. But then, especially if they're uh, from Korea or Taiwan or China or wherever, then they're more reserved. So I call it, like, we call it like the double whammy, engineer plus like sort of this reserved Asian mentality. And sometimes we would ask our founders, like, uh, how come you didn't follow up? He's like, oh, I contacted them once and they didn't reply. You know, they're they're super busy and I know they're like, you know, they don't have time for me. I was like, no, they volunteered to mentor you. <laughs> so take advantage. Like everyone's busy. So don't worry about, you know, following up a few times, right? If they don't follow up after, let's say, three, four times, then I'll call them or one of our partners will call them. But don't. You know miss this opportunity to access their knowledge and their network and we would have to coach some of our founding ceos and so it was sort of frustrating to see that and then even separately i remember talking to some friends um like in, in new york they're you know they're very senior at some of the you know top investment banks and they said it was interesting they you know this is maybe a word to i don't know 20 somethings in the room they felt like this younger generation is not as aggressive as you know our generation in our 40s and 50s because they see all these people investment banking that are associates or in private equity and they're like they just you know they don't follow up and they're not go-getters as much as like um the younger ones so they're trying to coach them too so right. I, I don't know i don't know what the mind shift is but there's there seems to be like uh, sort of like a less aggressive mentality in, in the 20-somethings today Maybe it's like,
5: I'm sorry, Bernard, like, Mm -hmm. I I absolutely have to disagree with you there, Mm -hmm. because I don't think that it's a lack of effort, right? Like, I don't think that it's because people or of the younger generation are not willing or capable to reach out. It's just that they're under tremendous circumstances where they're graduating from college under a tremendous debt, right? So they're not encouraged to take any kind of risk. Entrepreneurship is at an all-time low because the idea is that in order to establish yourself and have a career is that you have to sacrifice everything and go into tremendous amounts of debt. And not everybody yeah,
4: yeah I, I'm referring to people in, in investment banking working in large corporates that that right. are aggress, aggressive it's a, uh, yeah yeah, Bernard wasn't oh, talking okay. about sorry, off, sorry. like
3: entrepreneurs and taking risks. He was talking about like being aggressively pursuing a mentor. So it could be in a, it could be in corporate America, right i I totally agree with Bernard, plus he's got the green little sticker next to his name right now, so he's got to be right.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? So, is it a, a problem moderator. of like, like social distance and stuff, where you feel like somebody is not reachable, or is it a problem of the leaders not opening the doors and being accessible?
4: Well, in my small sample size, I mean, my uh, I can like my friends that brought this issue up. No, they want to actively mentor. They they're ones that also set up these finance associations to try to mentor the next generation of people in investment banking and private equity right and even us like you know in our programs accelerator programs we do have to coach them right to be a little more aggressive so it's just it's just an interesting you know it's sort of like an interesting sort of uh, combination of issues because sometimes you get I'm generalizing again. I don't want to offend like the twenty somethings. You get a so, you see some sense of entitlement, but you don't see the, you know, sort of the uh go getter mentality, you know. But, but again, it's not saying this is not. You know, I'm not saying everyone is like this in the generation, right? But it just seems to be more prevalent than, you know, uh you know, some of the prior generations. So, and, and
3: I, I think people like the. And I don't know if this is a generational thing either, but I think people just in general, right, older people as well, need to uh, distinguish between having a relationship and then having a transaction, right? So if you ask somebody for, an ad, some, for some advice and you just leave it at that, that's just that's a transaction. And the person who gives the advice doesn't feel as much value because, okay, I just gave advice. That was it. But a relationship is something different, right? Where you're asking, hey, uh, can you be my mentor, right? Can you continually give me advice? Then it's, it's almost like a, a maternal, paternal feeling where you're actually trying to help develop somebody, you know? It's actually a better, it's a better feeling for us. Yeah. We, so want, like, we want a relationship.
5: Absolutely. So do you ever feel like it's kind of like, okay, you reached out to me. I am responding to you. And if you're not gonna listen to what I say, even though you're asking, like why are you wasting my time? Absolutely.
4: Yeah, I mean there's a balance to that, I, I think, because you know, even I say I give hey, I, I give advice to you, but talk to other people, and then you sort of create the aggregate and make your own opinion. That's what I, I would usually say. Right? So um, but I do totally agree with Bennett. I mean, it's like it's a common phrase that's that's stated often, right? Everything is done through relationships, but it's true, right? And, but some people just don't learn that lesson, even like people that are, you know, our stage of career or even older, right? So for me and myself, you know, I understand that not everyone is like that. Not everyone is, you know, more relationship oriented versus transactional, right? So if they're transactional, then I sort of treat them as such. Right, because I have either friends or more acquaintances or business associates, they'll only contact me, I know, when they need something. Right, so I don't get offended. I just sort of, you know, expect that and sort of leave it there. And, you know, obviously, I don't give them my best, right, versus, you know, okay, friends, or even, you know, my close friends, you know, closest friends, obviously, I'll give them a lot more attention and time and resources.
0: John, thank you, bro. Those are good questions. Thank you, brother. John's my brother-in-law, by the way. And we just hung out last week. I'm also uh, his biggest fan. <laughs> thank you, bro. Um, and next, if anybody wants to ask any questions, now's time, raise your hand. And you can also, if you're working on something, you can also talk about that.
2: Okay, you know, while we're waiting for questions, um, maybe something that, that could be of value, and, and Daniel touched upon this earlier, is, uh, you know, some of the failures that we've all been through. Uh, you know, I've been through plenty, so um, if, if Bernard and Bennett want to talk about them.
4: Yeah, sure. I mean, all my startups were were failures, I would say. So I, I learned from failure versus my other partners at Spark Labs that have learn from failure and success. Um, You know, I mean, within the scope of failure, I would say like the first two startups that I was involved in, we were too early. So that's when I learned it's all about not, uh, timing is a critical part in terms of uh, launching new businesses, right? Sometimes you're, you know, too early, sometimes you're, you're too late. Right. And there's a certain point where you have to realize that. So, um, yeah, I mean, failure is, I, I still think it is it is the best teacher.
3: Yeah, I've uh, failed so many times. I'm trying to figure out if there's anything I could say that's not cliche. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, it, just even becoming a, just for example, a good dancer, like going comedy, you bomb. you have to, everybody bombs. It's like snowboarding. You, you're going to fall no matter what. You have to.
3: I mean uh, uh, I have there there here, here's a failure where uh Roy invested in one of my in that senior daycare concept where the it just wasn't gaining any traction. I mean we we were not able to deliver what I thought we could. And so um you know I the way believe. out of it <laughs> What's that? Really? What's that Roy? Said so I still believe. Yeah. Yeah. but the I, I at the last second, um it was a combination of you know putting a lot of effort into figuring out how to pivot, but also a lot of luck, or you know if I don't know how spiritual you know people are here, if you know maybe God's plan, where I was able to um structure a partnership or agreement with a different different center. And so that's kind of what's saving us now, but stuff like that. I mean, I feel. I feel like it, it that, that kind of goes back to the whole grit thing, right? Like it, there's so many failures There's it's like, I've gone through so many failures, but you um, just got to keep on working at it until something, something, something comes out of it, you know, something could come out of it. Roy, do you want to share?
2: No, Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs)
3: uh, No failure.
2: (laughs) I have a hundred percent track record. No, Uh, you know, uh, I think the, I think the most visible for me was uh, I was really, I mean, luck totally has uh, a lot to do with, um, you know, success and failure, but, you know, after I sold my first company, I, uh, that's when I, after that, I started the film business because it was, you know, film was my passion growing up, and um, starting out had a couple projects that, that lost some money, and then we had a massive hit, and then another massive hit uh, where the films were released um, just made a lot of money. We had a lot of attention from the industry, and I, that's when it got into my head that, you know, I was this brilliant startup genius you know, that that just had the magic touch. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years later, I was humbled by, uh, you know, a string of projects that lost money. Um, you know, piracy was starting to increase and just a lot of different things that still could have been prevented had I not been so short-sighted um, and so you know, full of myself that um, we eventually had to close down the company. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a period where, you know, kind of it brought me back down to reality. It made me reassess, um, maybe realize, no, I, I didn't. I wasn't who I thought I was. Um, but uh, it was important. It was. I, I, it was really important that that, um, that I experienced that because uh, it just gave me a lot more perspective. It was so painful, so so painful. But um, but it was it was um, necessary.
4: Yeah, I mean we have a my partner Jimmy, he he's he always says this funny phrase which is common also in Silicon Valley and he says it's better to be lucky than smart, right? Yeah. And you have to sort of put Definitely. things Yeah, you have to put things in perspective, you know, knowing that you know, when you, you hear like some of the interviews of like, you know, like the YouTube founders, like when YouTube launched, there was like, you know, 20 other <laughs> competing services, right? And if they really drill down, they don't know really what was a driving success, right? I mean, they could say, oh, yeah, certain features here and there, but it was a combination of factors, right? So if you keep that in perspective, that it's luck, chance, or grace, or whatever you want to call it, then I think it keeps you humble for the next thing, right? And I've seen it like, you know, mistakes made, like, you know, Roy mentioned his own experience. I know this entrepreneur, you know, he cashed out you know, fairly well, let's say like, you know, 50 million. But he was so confident in himself, right, that he knew the secret of success, right? His next four startups, he burned through that 50 million, right? And he was back to zero, right? But if he was like realistic and sort of, you know, kept things in perspective, he would have done like any reasonable person would have done, probably like set aside majority and saved it and maybe allocated like 10, 20%. You know, to risk capital and get outside investors, but he didn't because he thought he could easily repeat it again. And he was so determined that it was all him that he burned through everything that he that he made. So. Yeah,
1: I was I was actually talking to uh, early stage investor that uh, in one of the Clubhouse rooms actually I was in. He was like, Yeah, I was I was early investor in Uber, and he actually invested in Clubhouse as well. And he was saying, Yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to replicate this kind of luck that you know zuckerberg or you know some you know some of these these great founders have had and you know to kind of keep trying to you know replicate that luck is almost impossible so they kind of have to figure out how to acquire new companies because you know it's like catching lightning in a bottle um i'm just do you guys feel like it's like that like these great ideas. It's like, man, you know, are you are there hit makers that just have idea after idea that just crush it? Or are you kind of like, yeah, you know what, that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like you, you catch it once and then you kind of got, I remember I was talking to one entrepreneur and he said, you know, in life you have maybe three big swings because, you know, each swing is five to 10 years of your life. You know what I mean? And you got to pick your swings wisely. So you know, when you do kind of feel like you have that hunch or you're starting to catch that luck to go in, you know what I mean? I just curious what your guys' thoughts are on that.
4: Yeah, I could start. I mean, I, I, I would agree. I mean, you have to put things in perspective. Like one of the more successful ent- serial entrepreneurs I know in Silicon Valley, he had like five out of like eight hits or something, right? And he cashed right. out big on five of them. But he still kept saying, number one factor, luck. So you always put it in perspective, right? So I think that's what you have have to do but you know he's an an outlier outlier. i think majority you know of these even serial entrepreneurs they they might have only one or two hits right but right you know and and so you always have to sort of you know keep though, you know that in perspective i think when you do your next
1: but there there are people right bernard and and bennett and roy i'm just curious there are people that seem to catch luck more than other you know they say yeah yeah
3: I mean, that, that's by definition, right? And so, like, you, you look at, like, somebody like Warren Buffett when it comes to investing, you know, and he's had tremendous success for decades and decades, right? And you, can, can, is he a great investor? Absolutely, right? Right. But it, how much of luck is involved with that? Who knows, right? So if you had, like, let's say you had a 1,000 people flipping coins, you know, heads or tails, it's 50% probability. And you take the odds of all the coins Throughout the 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 total result will be pretty pretty close to fifty percent right out of the thousand coins, but there could be ten people that get ten out of ten right, and you know uh, a bunch of people that get zero out of ten right, and a bunch of people you know with a normal distribution in the middle right right right. are the ten out of the ten are they any better at predicting coins? No, I mean it's just statistically that's how it works right. And if you look at us, like you look at Roy Bernard and me, um, we're in the risk s- spectrum somewhere in the middle between. We take less risk than, say, an actor or a model or an athlete, somebody who's pursuing something in the arts, right? But we take more risk than somebody who's like pursuing, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer, right? right. And that's just that's just kind of where we are, and we have. We have an understanding that we may fail and we, you know, but we're, we're, we're playing the odds because we also do want to hit that home run, right? right. Where, and where a, a doctor, you know, maybe a little bit more risk averse. Right. You know,
1: this is interesting because, you know, one of the things, <laughs> like I hit on a couple stocks, like, you know, I hit on Shopify on one of my stocks, you know, and Square, like there's a couple, but then I, I realized like. You know, I'm, I'm putting in money in a lot of stocks. You know what I mean? That's like one of my things. Like, oh, if I like it, I will kind of sprinkle here, 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 here. And going back to fantasy football, it's like, you know, one of the thoughts was like, would you take a first round pick and put all your money on that, or would you pick four or five guys in the fourth, you know, third and fourth round, right? And one of the, you know, one of my mentors, I remember we were talking. He's like, he was talking about luck. I'm like, oh man, you're lucky. He's like, hey, Dan, you believe in luck? I'm like. I'm like, I don't know, kind of, maybe he's like, well, you know, what do you think about getting a hole in one? I'm like, yeah, you know, that's lucky. He's like, yeah, but you know, do professionals get hole in ones more than amateurs? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, you want to catch more luck hit around the hole. And I'm learning, you know, I've learned also in my career, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but the more shots that you take and the more like again, Bennett, like you were saying, the more specialized you get in, your particular field, your odds of catching luck, I think, go up as well, right? Because you know, if you're if you can't play, you, you're not going to catch anything. You you got you have to have a chip in the chair, Roy, to your the the casino and the Texas <laughs> the Texas uh, games games gamesmanship. But like, you know, I, I feel like that's another thing. Like people, if you're not in the game and you're not playing, you're not going to get luck. You're not going to win, and th- there's no chances, you know. And you know, Bernard, you were saying about uh, mentoring and stuff, and people not not reaching out, you know, there's, a, there's another quote, I, you know, I think Michael Jordan, I, you know, I know you think you like, it was like, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And I feel like even for me, I wish I reached out to more people and was more active about hitting mentors up and trying to get advice. But um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I don't know that. That's some thoughts on luck that, you know, definitely, I think for sure you have to catch luck, you know what I mean? But I do think there are some people that are just playing more hands that catch luck more than
0: definitely for sure. You got to gotta play more hands, as much hands as possible. Um, before we go to a, a question from Sam and Gloria, I, I know Bernard talked about uh, YouTube. Just a quick thing uh, I have a friend, Kevin Shea, is a comedian. His college roommate, Steve, became one of the co founders of YouTube. One of, my, one of my favorite bits is when he said, uh, you know, they always used to, um, <laughs> you know, split everything, like go to dinner. But then he became like worth, you know, hundreds of millions. And his his, Steve took him out to dinner, like one of the nicest restaurants. And then as, you know, the dinner went on, Kevin just kept like, you know, he's being passive aggressive. And then all of a sudden he just blurts out, Are you going to pay for this dinner or what? It's like, (laughs) he just, uh, you know, it reminded me of you also have to be happy and stay connected to your friends that make it, you know, especially Asians. We get very prideful you know, and uh, that's part of reaching out too, is like just killing a pride and always, you know, keeping it real. I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, just staying connected. And that, that's another reason why I love this app, you know, especially for me, just being a dad at home. And it's like, I can't do anything. I can't go to shows, I can't, you know, and uh, it's, it's bringing us together. All right, next we have a question from Sam. What's up Sam?
8: Just quick, uh, thanks for this, and just quick comment, Daniel. I agree, on ninety-nine percent said. Except this quote is not from Michael Jordan; it's from the the great Wayne Gretzky and Michael Scott. Uh, and
1: child, you
8: don't, you don't Michael Scott? <laughs> no, I didn't mean um, Michael
1: Jordan. Michael Scott, my dad. Yeah, <laughs> the and office, baby. Scott,
8: and uh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, Bernard, very good to see you. you probably remember me? I actually bumped into you six years ago, introduction through MJ Lee. What a small world. Um, I actually had a question for you, Bernard, uh, about the, uh, some of the, I guess, the founders not being go-getter. Um, knowing a little bit about you, is this uh, more related with the uh, Korean founders, and entrepreneurs um, who are not as good of a go-getter? I mean, for me, as a, you know, day, as a day job, being an enterprise you know, sales professional, like follow up and reaching out is, is what I do. But I also struggle through you know mentors and mentees especially in Korean heritage and cultural people not you know raising their hands as often like was your sample size anything to do with the cultural background any sense or do you see some difference between you know Korean culture some culture person and non-Korean culture person as entrepreneur? Uh,
4: hey Sam good seeing you again um, yeah so I, I framed it in a sense where Uh, In the US, we see it more prevalent among engineering CEOs, and then we call it a double whammy when it's in Korea, and then it's a engineering CEO plus the culture, right? Whether it's Korea or actually I would generalize and say like Asian culture, right? Because we see it also sometimes in our accelerators in Taiwan or China or elsewhere. So there's that sort of reserve culture where they're trying to be, I would say, a balance between you know, aggressive and too polite, right? So sometimes they get confused, I think. So anyways, we call that a a, a double whammy when it's a a founding CEO that's an engineer plus, you know. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Sam. Uh, Next we have uh, Gloria.
6: Okay, I am fangirling so much, so hard right now. I heart Roy, Bernard, PK, Bennett, and my new friend, Daniel. What's up, Gloria? Hey, oh my gosh. So, I missed the first hour, so you may have already gone through a lot of this, but, um, you know, I've been recently watching Startups. I'm wondering if Christine Moon is Bernard's, Bernard's wife is Susie's character in the Um, show and my question is really kind of along that line since this is about life and business um, having a strong female partner like a wife that is also a CEO and doing all these things does how does that work um, with kind of balancing your hectic and stressful and demanding career and raising the kind of children I'm sure you want to and the family that that you want. I would love to hear our perspective.
3: I can, I can take this question. I'm joking.
4: I'm yes, please. Bennett. Yes,
0: please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great, Gloria, please take Bennett. There's a lot of single and mingle rooms here on clubhouse too. You guys could go there after introduce him to some people.
6: You know, the first time I met Bennett uh, was at mama lion and I was totally stalking him and super like I had heard about him for years and I had always wanted to meet him. So I think the first time I, you know, approached him. He was like, who is this crazy stalker girl? So.
3: I thought it was at Roy's Roy's, uh, charity event.
6: Oh, yeah, that's right. I was super aggressive then, too. So always (laughs) keeping that stalker mode (laughs) in action.
2: That's Bennett's first opening line always. Who's this stalker girl? It it
6: (laughs) works.
4: Um... First, I don't know if she, I mean, I did hear from some people in Korea uh, in in the startup K-drama that, you know, the, since my Korean is limited, the the company in the drama is, you know, Christine's startup is actually Blue Space. And it's autonomous driving for buses, mass transit. So it was interesting that it was autonomous startup. And I guess the Korean name does mean or can mean Blue Space. I don't know if it's true or not. So... But as background, if people don't know, uh, Spark Labs was the official advisor for this K-drama called Startup that was on Netflix and also played in Korea. So not me, but my colleagues in Korea were advised uh, the producers of the show, so.
1: Nice, I'm watching that right now, actually. Well, I'm camping right now, so I'm not watching it right now, but I'm, I'm checking that show, it's interesting.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think overall it was, it was actually the first K-drama I watched it in like 15 years because I just don't like the genre and the first six episodes I did struggle I had to like watch it in like 20-minute clips or something but after this six episode it got more interesting I, I actually picked it up because someone
1: I was on another chat with I asked them about how the startup scene was in Korea and they said hey you should watch this Korean drama it's actually pretty on par with what's going on over
4: there but I mean is that true uh, I would say so besides some of the advice they gave was bad, right? They like, I think right. they had like one scene where they said, oh yeah, we want the founding CEOs to have 80% of the company or something. And that's like totally opposite of what we say. <laughs> right, right. 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 Most investors say like, if you have like two or three co-founders, it's best to just split it equally. Right. That's what Y Combinator says, which is, you know, obviously one of the meters in Silicon Valley, that's what we tell our founders. So we're like, oh my gosh, you're giving bad advice. <laughs> So, right. Bernard,
0: um, I could just imagine you watching K drama with your arms folded, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get through it. Uh,
4: but
2: um, he's, he's dealing with pinches right now, and the founders won eighty percent. That's why.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so your Gloria, your question was more on like balancing what between.
6: Well so um especially for for you cuz i yeah. like first of all i think you're downplaying startup that's like a super a hit a success on it's Netflix It's a huge hit and, i keep hearing about it. Yeah and you have like some of the most prominent actors like Susie you know miss yeah. she's like kind of one of the most popular actresses and actually looks very much like your wife um but uh, i guess oh, I really what that. it made me <laughs> what it made me realize <laughs> is that It's really hard to have two really high powered, successful people, two CEO types in a relationship. But I know with you and Christine, you make it work and you have two beautiful daughters. Like, how do you kind of balance all that? Does it help? Is that synergy? Great. They understand kind of your struggles and, you know, all that. Or um, are there any advice or tips that you have that go along with that?
4: uh I, I don't think there's like an easy answer i'll say one thing um but because i i've early in my career you know i jumped into the startup world and i would say i had her support because you know she was working at google for nine years she started her career uh investment banking and then after google she went to dropbox so at that at that time i had her support but it was also frustration right because there was definitely times when uh you know let's say like my third startup first two years, first year I didn't get any salary. Right. So definitely there's tension in the marriage. Right. And I never thought if you would ask me three years ago, if Christine would ever do her own startup, I would say never, but I think it was by osmosis in Silicon Valley. Cause she went from Google. Then when she joined Dropbox, it was already a unicorn. Right. And then she just went earlier. Then she, went to a, col- a company called Color Genomics. It was like a Series B company. And then uh, then she went to Drive.ai, which is autonomous driving, uh, RoboTaxi Play. Uh, that got acquired by Apple, but that was also uh, at the Series B. And then finally, I think, she sort of came to this realization like, oh, all these people are doing startups in Silicon Valley. I could do it, right? And then when she went through it, um, you know, she sort of, saw what I went through for several years, like early in my career. So there's affinity there, but there's also a balance because early on I'll try to give advice, but then I'll get in the doghouse. So now I learned don't give your wife advice when she's doing a startup. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you, Bernard. Thank you, Gloria. That's good advice. I'm going to take notes.
1: Yeah. I'm going to also do the same thing, Bernard. I try to give my wife advice earlier
4: today and, I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, stay out of the doghouse. It's not good.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Uh, Roy. Do you want to add?
2: Oh, you know, I think uh, just for the people that know Janet, uh, the one thing you know, she once she had our second child, she decided to um, stop working uh, full time for the company that she was working for, Uh, and before, you know, she was in a completely different industry what I was in so I never really consulted with her on uh, any of my business problems or uh, trying to find solutions or just ideas. And now she's like one of the first people I go to. I realize that because um, she thinks completely different from the way I do. And if I sit down with her and I kind of lay out the, the background and give her the story, she just has amazing, amazing uh, advice for me.
0: Thank you, uh, thank you, Gloria. Elijah.
2: Thanks, Gloria.
1: What's up, Elijah? Elijah's Gloria. actually my my blood brother too, by the way. Gloria, uh, Bernard Roy Bennett. Just want to let you know, yeah, that that is my real brother. <laughs>
3: yep, What's I just up? learned that. I, I learned that like last week.
1: Elijah, you there? He might be. Putting his kids down. Oh, yeah. I, he might have
7: came up and then yeah, he has to put his kids to sleep. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go back. Tony. Hey, PK. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. There's. It's crazy. And saying uh, the servers are like going in and out. There's too many people in the clubhouse right now. Um, good thing they're beta with iPhones. Yeah. Last week, I think
0: I heard it was Elon Musk and Kanye came in and then they had the uh, the founders' town hall and then everything just shut down for a while. There's too many people. They actually today people are trying to get in and there's a wait list just to get into clubhouse now like there's massive growth
7: yeah the the good and bad thing about this is yeah you could just you know be doing anything and not be seen and you know just listen or talk uh that's that's a cool thing oh it's great
0: last week i was uh we were in this wealth building seminar and i did all my
7: laundry dishes mop the floor (laughs) while i learned it was great yeah, you—that you're a comedian. You're you're awesome there as an MC and a DJ and you know stand-up comedian there. Yeah, because last week you were a few days ago you were like waving at me. I was like, had my mouth full of food, so I couldn't talk. You know, so yeah, sorry about that. Um, by the way, Bennett, uh, hey, how's it going? It's, it's been a while. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, you, you got a really young voice, man. I guess us Asians uh, looks and sound uh, seven, ten years younger typically.
3: Yeah, I moisturize my throat. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> <Moisturize>. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I just
7: want to say I just want to say hi guys, you know, I'm a commercial real estate guy, so I don't really fit in with your VC startup IPO guys. So Do you, you have a question? No, I just want to say hi cuz last oh, last, week, oh, last right few days ago. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, yeah.
9: Tony. Eric. Thanks. What's up? Hey, what's up guys? PK, what's going on, brother? It's been a going, long Eric? time.
0: Long, long time, man. Hope you hope you yeah well. man.
9: Thank you. Hey Gloria, how are you too? And uh Bennett, we met at a Crepe event. Hope you've been uh doing well. Oh yeah. Um so I have a background in real estate um investments and investment banking, but um over the last two, three years I've been in the Prop Tech space, um, helped to co-found the company and now I've been advising some other companies and there's this new sort of company that um, I've been introduced to. And so Bernard, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about what your thoughts about this, you know, the prospects of this company. This company um, happens to be coastal backed. And so they were a YC um, comp- uh, 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 class as well. So they've, they've got pretty good backing, but um, it's sort of um, an intersection between real estate and technology. This is a company that's doing 3D printing of uh, building panels so that they could build single family homes and multifamily homes without the traditional uh, method, which is very, you know, that, that process hasn't changed over the last several hundred years, right? Which is foundation, brick, sticks, and, you know, build the walls. And it's a very manual on site, uh, uh, um, you know, project, which involves um, a lot of man hours on site. Which also produces a problem of quality control. So, uh, this is a company that's sort of, you know, taking away that they're doing prefab um, in the factories, but also they've invented this technology that's um, printing this light stone and it's curing it with uh, UV light and it hardens immediately. It's got the ESG angle; it's more sustainable. Um, You know, from a cost perspective, it's uh, you know lower controlled cost, but also from a process standpoint, you're, you can hopefully develop a home or multifamily project um, with half the time. So, you know, just all the uh, bullet points sound really good, but yeah, I'm just wondering what am I not thinking about? What are the challenges? Uh, they are UL certified, but wh- what, are, what are your thoughts, Bernardo, um, on the future of something like this?
4: Uh, wait, I I missed the first part. So you're thinking about joining them? Is that what it is? No, it's
9: a company that um, they, uh, you know, I've been consulting for some of these um, firms. And, um, you know, it's a company that I'm thinking about getting involved with from an advi- advisory perspective, but I also have a private equity background. So they want me to manage one of their PE vehicles that helps developers um, adopt this product faster. Because if you think about the home building universe, they're a bunch of you know, um, you know, pretty much low tech guys, right? A lot of these home builders started building from their pickup trucks, et cetera. So they're very, uh, the least uh, uh, tech savvy of them all. And so uh, their investors were developing or, or investing into that development project they're saying, "Well, look, 3D prefab. I don't really get it." And so, um, there's a separate equity fund that, uh, hope you know, perhaps I'll manage that co-invest to continue to uh, further adopt this technology. But just broadly overall, um, I just you know would love to you know pick your brain.
4: Yeah, I'm I, I'm biased here because we invested actually in that company, Mighty Buildings. You're talking about right.
2: That's
4: it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I could talk to you offline. I mean, but we, we invested in, in, at, their, uh, at their round when they graduated from YC a few years ago. So he's like, it's the best company ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 so I, I can't give you like, you know, objective advice there. So, but I mean, feel, feel free to email me. We, we could talk, you know, later. So,
9: yeah, I'd love to do that. So you're under Series A?
4: uh yeah we were in their a round yeah got it got it interesting very helpful yeah i'd love to uh just
9: chat with you offline so i'll get in touch yeah actually
1: i i have a i have a question to piggyback on that and that's cool pk am i allowed to
0: yeah of course <laughs> right, oh so, well, wait daniel real quick though before you ask quick i just want to give a quick shout out we have a uh, john chang in the room he was our california state controller he has spoken at so many galas where I was the MC, where he was like the keynote speaker. So thank you, John. And also uh, collaboration, our executive director, Jane Kim, she's in the room. She's been hanging out. I know people are hopping in and out, but just want to give him a quick shout out.
1: What's up? Hey, so um, Bernard, Bennett and Roy, I- I'm curious. So, you know, I- I've done bootstrap startups, you know, I've been able to kind of get my company off the ground and, you know, create a life for myself provide for my family and and uh my team um i i did take some meetings up in silicon valley a couple years back i have some friends up there they went the the route of you know fundraising going pre-seed seed seed, and then series a Um, i'm just kind of curious because i've never done that i've never pursued that route um, what does that kind of look like from your guys' vantage point? Like, just, just the process of it. I mean, what what would a startup need to do? And is it better to go that route or is it better to bootstrap? And what are the advantages? Just kind of curious from your guys'
3: I just had this conversation with Bernard earlier today.
1: <laughs> Bernard,
3: this is all you, man. This is all you.
1: Perfect. If, if it's already oiled up, dude, I'd love to hear it. Because, you know, I think it's valuable. A lot of people watch shark tank they hear about vcs angels there's a lot of them on here but you know what what does that look like i mean it's confusing you know what i mean i'm like i I walked into andreessen Horowitz. my brother introduced me and i was like i have no idea what i'm doing my brother just introduced me we were talking and i was like all right cool later you know what i mean i'm like i don't know if i messed up or not but i'm just kind of curious you know what what you know that looks like like you know is that generally a better route to go than to bootstrap and like, you know, just kind of your guys' perspective.
4: I would say if you could bootstrap, that is the best route, right? Because um, that's the best outcome for you. Um, An example is my co-founder, Hanju, he started a hosting company in like 99. Uh, and after like a few years of operations, they, they did go out to the market to try to raise venture capital and they couldn't. Right. Because it was like, you know, the dot com crash They tried to raise money and no one wanted to invest in a hosting company. Right. That outcome turned out uh, good for them because 15 years later, you know, they sold it. And I could say it because it's like it's been published in the news like they sold it for like over 500 million and they had to give up very little equity. So when they were trying to raise capital, no one would invest in them. No one liked that space. But the outcome turned out to be better. Right. But it was a, you know, it was a long, strong struggle, and it was a longer burn, right? But, you know, just objectively, if you could bootstrap, great, right? Uh, but it also depends, on, I would say the industry and space that you're in, right? Um, let's say if it's something like, I don't know, if it's like video streaming or whatever. During the days of YouTube, right? If you already have like 20 competitors out there, there's no way that, you know, you could probably bootstrap on your own. That you do need sort of that. Uh, VC back money to compete with everyone else whether it's like marketing and getting servers and uh building engineers um but there's also other like stories like successful even like apps like uh there's actually two Korean American brothers uh the CEO was uh Mike Lee right he's the founder of My Pal, right and right. it is a, it is an outlier story but him and his brother they built the app part time while they're both like consulting i forgot like it I think BCG and one was at Accenture or something, but they did it on the side for like six, seven years. And then they raised, um, once they got that traction, they raised uh, a bigger series A, but it was more on their terms. Right. So there's an advantage of uh, if you can bootstrap and build it out, you know, on your right. own, that obviously helps in your valuation.
1: And is there, is there a time that you should be looking to raise because... I mean, look, I, you know, I've been, I'm genuinely curious because I've been talking to my guys. I'm like, Hey, look, you know, maybe we pursue certain things of fundraising to scale quicker now that we've kind of figured out a model. I mean, where like in the life cycle of a business from a bootstrap kind of scrappy, you know, way of doing things, where would it make sense to try to look for uh, fundraising? Is it, Right when you're starting at the idea stage, is it when you're getting traction? Is it you've already proven it and now you have like this massive idea that you think is game changing?
4: You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of curious what your your thoughts. Yeah, actually, this is exact talk I had with Bennett today. Um, it, it so it, it depends because okay, so let's say if it's like a well, let's take for example like a consumer facing app, right? There's a smaller pool of investors that you could, you could go for, right, that will get the vision of this app, right, without any traction, right, because they right. either love the space or they're actually, and you, you shouldn't be surprised, they're actually people thinking about what you've built or want to build, right. So they'll put an early bet in you, right, and, but that's a smaller pool and it's, it's difficult to find, but if you could do it, do it, right. And then you just raise like a smaller amount, let's say if it's like half million to get going, and then hopefully you execute well, and then you could raise your next round with a a good valuation, right? Right, right. Um, The danger is like, let's say if you build it, you know, hopefully let's say you have like, you know, you and whoever on the team that could build the product, you know, you have a product person and designer and engineers. If you bootstrap it and get to a certain point where you're actually already launched, then the danger is right at your launch, you know, majority of investors are still very conservative. If they don't believe in that vision, they like your space, they might say, hey, why don't you come back to me three months from now or six months from now, right? Because you're at that point of launch, so they just want to see the traction that you get, like how you could execute. So it's at this point where it might be better to raise, try to raise before you launch, right? And try to get that smaller pool of investors that believe in the vision, right? Or you have to, you know, it's fundraising just constant, anyways, but you, you know, then you might be better just to raise like after, let's say, like six months where they see you executing and getting like month to month growth, et cetera. So there's no easy answer, but you just have to, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I normally recommend to our portfolio CEOs, especially if they're at that very seed stage or early stage, you know, try both, try, try to hit investors before you launch. If not, then, you know, you could do it a little after, so. Got it.
1: So, like, it, it, there is kind of a sweet spot to get in and try to get an investment, though, right?
4: There is. There is. It, it, and a lot of it, yeah, it, it's timing and finding the right investor. That's, like, the hardest part, too, because there's obviously a lot of investors out there. Everyone has their own thesis or or different metrics that they look at. So, um, it, You know, that's actually one, I think, good thing about Clubhouse because it expands the network beyond even LinkedIn and Twitter. I mean, Twitter, it's hard to network anyways. LinkedIn, you know, you get so much spam now, you know, in the inboxes. Um, So this is just another way to open up networks, which I think is beneficial for especially a lot of entrepreneurs. Can I uh, what, with a quick our, question,
0: what, Daniel? What, one thing I just want to say is that yeah, we're gonna officially end the room at ten o'clock, but you know, after that I'm gonna invite everybody on stage where we're just gonna you know, just hang out. I know people are gonna hop around, but just letting everybody know that thank you.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Elijah. Yeah, hey hey Bernard. Um, you know, I just would love to ask a question around, you know, corporate venture and strategic investment.
2: So if you have a product that you know, ideally has a fit into, um, you know, a particular corporate that you might want to exit to. What do you feel like should be some of the, you know, the pros and cons that entrepreneurs should look at when looking at that type of
5: capital?
4: Well, we generally say for most corporate VCs, and there's also a reason why most corporate VCs, they do only invest in Series B or later, right? I think that's usually the mandate. Um, But if they invest at even the seed and A, you know, there is a danger if it's if it's tied to obviously integrating or, or purchasing your product or, or whatever, is that there'll be a resource suck, right? Because at that seed and early stage, you have limited resources. So if you get that investment from them and they're like a majority or, or lead investor, uh, definitely we say, you know, we give red flags to our founders. Um, if they're a minority investor, I, I think it's relatively safe because you don't have to, you know, be bothered by them as much right so i think it's okay if they're a minority investor at the seed or series a um once you know you get to the later stages it's always a balance right unless they are like a market maker and then it, it it's like a, a big boost to your business and also the next rounds That then then it's beneficial <clears throat> and also i would say also side note is at the early stages seed and series a when you talk to some corporate investors or even just uh Corp dev people or biz dev people, you know, you should poke around and, and know the reputation, right? Because some firms are aggressive in terms of, um, you know, taking ideas, right? It's like Cisco 20 years ago, they're known to like just take a lot of startup ideas. We even had um, like five years ago, we had a, a medical device uh, startup that helped with uh, sleep apnea, and they met with a rep from 3M. This guy was like super blunt and honest, which was great. Because he just said, hey, did you patent this? They're like, yeah. He's like, OK, good. Because if you didn't patent it, our guys in Minnesota, they'll copy this, right? So there's always this balance, depending on obviously what space you're in, so.
0: All right, we're, uh, we're going to take a few more questions. And uh, again, we're going to officially end at uh, 10 o'clock in 10 minutes, but we're just going to hang out. Who wants to hang out, talk business, talk life. Uh, wait, Gloria, did you have another question?
6: I did so much thank, quest-
0: oh, thank you Elijah by the way.
6: Yeah I so um, I yeah my question is for those of us that have day jobs as Daniel call it like w2s at what point do you you know make the move full time to go into your entrepreneurial in- adventure so for me I'm um I work full time as a partner chief business business development officer at a large law firm but I also last year helped co-found um Quell Labs, and we're basically clin- FDA clinical sponsor of various um, medical device, like rapid rapid antigen tests, neutralizing antibodies, things like that. And it's starting to heat up, and it's so demanding. You know, obviously, a startup—you have to wear so many hats, and it's many hours on top of my full-time job. But we're completely bootstrapped, and so a lot of my money from my day job goes to the startup. But at what point, you know, just advice as to when do you go all in? And it's harder when it's later in life, you know, when you already have like a mortgage and kids and all of that. So any advice would be grateful. And there's a lot of people in in this room that are clients. So Eugene, Max, I know Eric's old old company used to be. Roy, we actually represent you guys. So don't get me in trouble.
0: That's a great question.
3: Anyone want to take it? I think that's a Bernard question, too.
4: Yep. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, there's, like, risk profiles. I mean, just put put things in perspective. I would say that the average age of entrepreneurs in the U.S. are 40-41, right? And I think that's for a reason um, because you have 20-somethings that obviously could take a lot more risk, right? And then you have, like, even, whatever, not trying to be political, but then you have also even, like, privileged 21, 20-somethings that, you know, could raise money from friends and family and do a startup, right? But the average person, they build up their nest egg, you know, save up money, and then they decide, you know, maybe in their 40s or something to, to go out on their own, right? So the question is, you know, it's just basically like doing going through a checklist, right? Are you at this point, you know, with your kids and family and husband and everything, to take that risk and how much risk can you take like how much capital does this new thing need and do you have to put in your own i mean it's not a requirement and i don't think most investors care right cuz if you already put in your time for years then it's a question of can you attract outside capital it doesn't have to be venture capital it could be other sources of capital but you know can you you know you know are you able to do it and go out on your own right and I think most investors are also comfortable if you fundraise and you're not full-time yet that you'll, you'll, you'll be full-time once you get that commitment in. So that's sort of like, I don't know the exact pre- parameters. I mean, you know, happy to discuss like details, like, you know, to give you more detailed advice if I learn more. So
1: Man, Bernard, you're going to have a bunch of people hitting you up to be uh, their mentor. I might hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you get, you're giving some great advice. Ev- I was texting PK. I'm like, man, Bernard, this, the the information you're giving is is fire, and man, I really appreciate that. And yeah, Gloria, hopefully that helps too. You know?
3: Okay. Can we also acknowledge that Gloria was a three-time national collegiate badminton cha- champion?
0: Are you serious? <laughs>
5: what? <I> just saw <laughs> it on her
3: bio.
0: It's gotta be. Of real. all the
6: things, that's the most important. Yes.
0: She also won a stand-up comedy competition respect that's that that right. is true
6: that is that's true right. pk inspired really me starts. i learned all my techniques through pk
0: but you got me on badminton though dang man that's like quick reflex thank you uh we got one more from dan
10: hey what's up guys this is danny chun from la i've met what's I, up I dan? i've met most of you guys um over the last uh, few years in la so i'm really glad you guys are hosting this and Gloria, uh, we've met too, a number of times. I think the last thing anyone would think is that you have a W2 income because you're everywhere, <laughs> which is a good thing. Uh, um, I'm going to let Bernard maybe moisturize his throat for a little bit. Maybe I'll I'll jump the question to Bennett um since uh, uh maybe piggybacking on Gloria, I'm I actually made the leap from two decades of working in corporate banking uh to starting my own real estate investment company with a partner of mine and you know, the last couple of years has been absolutely like anxiety ridden and there was a lot of fear but really just working through that so there was a lot of uh, maybe uh, indecisiveness in, in the beginning but as I kind of narrowed down my focus in terms of what my like life vision and mission is I think that really helped kind of build the path um similarly I want to ask you um you've been in real estate for a long time it seems like um What's kind of like your vision in real estate and, and where you're heading and like what do you see in terms of the marketplace now?
3: Oh <laughs> uh, man, it's funny you should ask me that. Um I, I feel like I feel like um uh, I feel like I'm at a an inflection point where real estate I I I don't feel like I was ever really passionate about real estate. Um I I got into it because I had a mentor who was into it. Right. And Um, I think my values have changed also where before, when I was younger, the most important thing about my career was making money. Like that's all that I thought about. And now I think I, I want to do something more. I, I want to do something purposeful, something like purpose-driven where I, I feel good about it. And I, I know you can actually achieve that through real estate, but for me, I'm shifting gears more towards seniors. So it started off with senior housing development, and now it's looking at senior, uh, looking at operations for senior. But thinking about how to, um, like one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is how, how people can figure out how to afford senior care because it's so expensive, right? So looking at middle income solutions for seniors. So I'm spending a lot of time Trying to figure out solutions where I'm like, you know what, I, I just wanna, I just wanna get in the mode of problem solving, um, and that's, that's where I think it's a little bit more fun for me. Um, but going back to your question, like, if you are, can I ask you, can I ask you what kind of real estate that you're thinking about doing, and how you're thinking about raising money? Is it, are you investing in real estate? Or are you trying to do? things deal by deal or are you trying to raise a fund? What, what exactly are you trying to do right now? Yeah,
10: r- really like the last couple of years has been an exploration and, uh, in that. So we started with multifamily okay. and it's been going well. And I think you, you know the stats on multifamily. So it's been going really well, but as you alluded to, I think we really asked ourselves an existential question if it's just, you know, for the money or really are there other, you know, aspirations that we truly have, which is not really um, beyond that everyone needs to make money, but beyond that, what would be a purposeful, um, you know, pursuit for us that we would really feel satisfied in life. And so we decided to share that journey um, through our platform. And it's just basically helping other people to become um, financially independent through real estate investing. And we really found that having that impact is way more rewarding than just the financial rewards that that we're realizing, but um, you know, we're still in, in the early stages of that exploration and, and early adventure. And so, I just wanted to get your thoughts because I, I know, and, and I'm glad yeah. I, I thank you for your honest yeah. answer. By the way, yeah,
3: yeah. So, a couple of things. First, first is you know the just big picture directions, the direction that you want to head. Because I, I do feel like there are elements of real estate where it could be purpose driven, right? Whether it's Figuring out how to make student housing better, whether whether it's senior housing or affordable housing, or maybe it's middle income housing, making that actually affordable rather than the term affordable housing, which really means low income housing. So there there, there are different elements of, of real estate where I think, you know, you could say, hey, I, I'm gonna solve problems in real estate, and I can I can create, you know, I can create these solutions, right? So that's one one thing. Now, in terms of what I would suggest, uh, you can actually, real estate is one of those things where you can actually structure deals um, so that you limit your risk a lot. And so let's say, and and it looks like you have a private equity background. um, And so you you probably know this. So this is maybe more so for the audience, is that if you take a, if you, call it, let's say you take a $10 million deal, right? It's one of the few asset classes where you can really lever up. So if you can get like, call it like 80% leverage. So you get an $8 million loan and you need to come up with a 2 million of equity. That 2 million of equity, you can actually structure it where you put very little in yourself and you could just raise GP money, right? So you can actually keep on slicing up the equity into a GPLP structure where you put up very little money of your own, I sound. I feel like I, I'm sounding like that, like a, one of those infomercials. Um, but there, it's it's what I would do. I ended up um, doing like raising a GP fund for a hundred million dollar assisted living project in Florida, and I put zero up myself, just because I was broke at the time. Um, but I structured it where I raised money through friends and. I was going to say friends and family, but my family doesn't have any money. So it was really just friends, but, uh, you know, we could talk offline in terms of deal structuring where I can, you know, I could talk to you about how to structure it just so that you limit your risk. Sweet. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank
0: you so oh. much. Thank you so much to uh, our speakers. I know Bernard had to uh, take care of his kids and Roy had to go to, so, uh, Thank you so much to Roy, Bennett, Bernard, everybody who came up on stage, asked questions.